All right. Um, Will here, and this is Stories with Mr. Stories. And today, um, it's going to be just me, and um, it's going to be all about the CrossFit Games, which is weird because I'm like a weightlifting guy. Like, I shoot weightlifting. Um, I document weightlifting. But uh, the CrossFit Games happens right in my backyard. Um, So this past year, I got a media credential, and I went. Um, So... This whole podcast is going to be about that, Um, so if you want to listen to that, cool beans. If you don't, I totally understand, and uh, I guess I'll see you in the next one. But if you're here for the ride, this story starts in Hawaii. Uh, CrossFit's really weird about getting credentials to you in a timely manner. Now, uh, Stu and I had both, uh, Stu being YKS Media, we had both applied for accreditation months before. So we were both uh, like being ready to get accepted so that we could kind of get our travel plans all situated. But CrossFit didn't tell us whether or not we would be credentialed until it was like a week and a half away from the games. Now, if you were trying to fly in to Madison a week and a half out from the games, it's pretty challenging um, because so uh, there's just a lot of pe- there's a lot of traffic coming into Dane County Regional Airport. It's a small airport. So getting flights in was hard um, if you didn't make those accommodations already. And if you didn't get accepted for media accreditation, you were just kind of high and dry. They didn't really care. So if you paid for your flights and stuff and you just showed up and they didn't give you accreditation, that's on you. It's your problem. So, um, which is a, it it was kind of interesting for me to experience that um, because the USAW and the IWF are pretty lax on who they let into events. Um, And that's not to say that it's really hard to get a CrossFit accreditation, but it is certainly a lot easier to get one for weightlifting. Granted, there's a lot less money in weightlifting, um, and there's probably a lot less things that could go wrong. Um, and you'll see why in a, when I get into it. But um, so for, for me to, I, I almost didn't get accreditation. Uh, the only reason I was able to get accreditation is because USAW had a booth and I shot a few photos of uh, Morgan King demonstrating back squats and snatches and things like that. Um, and she was just in Vendor Village. Like USAW had this probably like six foot by six foot booth. Um, and that was weightlifting's presence um, at the CrossFit Games. But that was the only reason I was able to get accredited at all. Um, and there are different levels of accreditation. Um, so if you essentially like you could be accredited to be in the media pit like outside but you could not have coliseum access at all but there's a pretty big workaround with that because most of the time um the people who were like letting you in didn't necessarily know which accreditation got you where um so um, I had the uh, lower of the um, accreditations. I just had like the 
the baseline. I could get into the media pit outside, um, in the, but I wasn't allowed in the Coliseum at all. Um, and this was, uh, this was, I didn't know this was the case. Um, so, uh, Stu actually had the, the Coliseum pass. So he was allowed into the Coliseum and stuff. He could sign up to be in the pit, um, if he wanted to, but we both got our, um, approvals while we were in Hawaii, uh, documenting the Stronger Together camp. Um, and for me, shooting the CrossFit games wasn't a big deal at all because I live in Madison. Like, uh, legitimately, I'm a five-minute drive away from where the CrossFit games are held. And that's not an exaggeration. I live right downtown um, in the hippie district, basically. Um, so for me, like, it was, if I didn't get approved to go to the games, I would just be home and I would just work and pretend the games weren't happening but for Stu because he didn't get approved until that time he hadn't bought tickets because at this point he was just kind of assuming oh CrossFit's not going to accept me so he has to book a flight um he basically flies from Hawaii to Atlanta and then he had like a I think a four or five hour layover and then he had a flight from Atlanta to Madison so um we are kind of getting this all situated um, and I think Stu had his like final tickets like secured a couple days before we left Hawaii. So um, we both leave Hawaii. Uh, I get back around like four o'clock on the Wednesday before the games. Um, and then Stu got in later that night at like nine or ten Um because he had to, well, actually, that's right. He couldn't get a flight into Madison, so he had to get a flight to Chicago. So, excuse me, he flew from Honolulu to Atlanta and then Atlanta, Chicago, and then he got a bus from Chicago to Madison. And that bus ride is probably like two and a half hours. So, he had a long, long day of travel. Um, but I pick him up and uh, bring him back to. Uh, my place and uh, we got to the venue early the next morning um, and this is uh, uh, this is like to kind of set you where everything's happening in, during this time uh, most of the people had gotten vaccines at this point so at this point in the summer it's looking like COVID is kind of dying out um, there's not a whole lot of Concerns about being masked. I remember this was the first event that I went to, um, and inside or outside, people just weren't wearing masks. It felt so weird, but also natural um, it, because it was just like the way things used to be. Um, so this, I remember this was the first event that was like, wow, the pandemic might actually be over. And then, you know, of course it wasn't because... Um, it's God only knows when it's going to actually be over. So, um, we get in early. Um, I had to present my vaccine card, um, and then get a rapid negative test in order to be accredited. Um, and then I took that over to the, uh, folks who were handing out like your actual accreditation. So your wristband and your, um, I don't actually remember. I don't think we got no, we only had wristbands. So um, most m most of the time with accreditations, you get like a necklace sort of situation with a little 
name tag on it. Um, but for the games, they just give you a wristband. So they give you the wristband, and then they have... Um, so this is at the Alliant Energy Center, and it's a complex. Uh, so the Coliseum is like the big thing there. But there are a couple of smaller buildings. Um, and one of the buildings that... Uh, it's kind of outside of the whole like fitness expo and everything else part of the games. Um, and that building is where athletes can warm up um, and all of the like, that's like the athlete village, quote unquote. It's not as like village like as the one that was in California. Um, it's essentially a really big building with a couple of really big rooms and they just set up a bunch of equipment in there so athletes can warm up. Um, and then media had a room upstairs and we could leave all our stuff there only media was allowed up there um, so we can just leave our computers and stuff which was really nice because there were a lot of us now remember how i said that crossfit's a little bit more uh, restrictive on who they give accreditation to but that doesn't stop it from being overpopulated um, and what i mean by that is to become accredited, you basically have to either have an athlete, a team, or a title sponsor, um, or like a sponsor of CrossFit wants you to work for them, and you have to be able to like prove that. So um, some athletes just had like photographer friends, and they were just like, "Yeah, here you can shoot me and stuff." And I reckon that's how Stu. Um, was able to get in. He's really good friends with a couple of um, high-level, like, elite CrossFit athletes. And so um, he was just like, hey, can I shoot photos of you? And they're like, sure. And then you can get accredited pretty easily that way. But like I said, I only had accreditation because USAW had a booth there. <laughs> and so I didn't have, like, any in. So that's why I got the lower uh, level of accreditation, which is fine because, as I'm going to talk about, that um, really didn't play into um what i was able to do there because um well we'll get into that so it's day one we just got accredited Stu and i set up our laptops and stuff and um i've been to the games before so uh like i said i live in madison and i lived in madison before i traveled and everything else so i was a a uh, what's it called i was a volunteer goodness gracious i was a volunteer at the games um, for two years back in 2017 and 2018 the first two years the games were in Madison um, and so I kind of knew how everything worked like I understood the flow of how athletes move on to the uh, competition platforms competition platforms oh my god the fields or whatever the hell they're called um, so I had a pretty good idea of how that all worked um, which was nice because then I was just free to kind of go right into documenting. I didn't necessarily have to like learn how the flow of things um, worked. So um, I, I wanted to walk around just to get a lay of the land. Um, a couple things had changed, but not drastically since um, the last time I saw the games in 2018. Um, the biggest thing that I was kind of bummed out about is they didn't have like an obstacle course. Or um, like a bike course, because those events were really fun. Um, so, and, um, oh, and keep in mind, uh, I only have lenses to shoot like weightlifting. 
and I know it's like you can use lens whatever, but most of my lenses are for shooting things that are really close to you. Like uh, my my daily driver, the lens I go to the most is a 24 millimeter. And that thing is basically useless <laughs> when you're shooting CrossFit because you can't get close to folks. Um, in fact, uh, most of the people uh, shooting the sport are using like, Okay, so you know, like the cartoonishly big, um, like bazooka lenses, the ones that are like as basically as tall as a human being. Those were the most popularly used lenses there, like four hundred millimeters, uh, two to two hundred to five hundred. It's like all that, the really super telephoto lenses, um, and they use that because, um, uh, well, a lot of the folks I should say use that because they're trying to isolate a subject. And in weightlifting, you can do that real easily with a 24 or 35. But my idiotic, idiotic person of myself, God, and if that doesn't tell you how stupid I am, listen to that again. I was walking around with a Canon FD 50 millimeter 1.4. And if you know anything about FD and what that means, it's like a really old lens, like we're talking 60s or 70s um, when this lens was produced, which is fine. I love it. It's a manual focus lens. Um, it's re- It's got a really cool, like vintage, obviously, look to it. Um, and it's a really soft lens. Like you're not getting super harsh edges. You're not getting super clarity, but it just looks so good. I was shooting with that because a 24 and a 35 are doing you no good and a 50 millimeters basically do you not any good either but it's all i had so um i remember uh i was walking around and uh i had ordered a 70 to 200 um because Stu told me like you're not gonna be able to do anything with the lenses you have so i rented a 70 to 200 but i wasn't gonna get there till the next day so for day one I was walking around with a 24 on my um, USR and then that 50 uh, millimeter on my R5. So that's where I'm at. And uh, the first day was really just kind of slow. There wasn't a whole lot of events. The first event for individuals was uh, like the run and no swimming in was it swimming and paddleboarding? It was something ridiculous like that. Um, and so I didn't go to that because I couldn't care less. Um, so I just started shooting some of the master's athletes, which is a lot of fun. Um, and it's a really good opportunity to, uh, for me, it was a really good opportunity to uh, photograph CrossFit because I don't. Like I... I document and photograph weightlifting. And so for me to try to shoot CrossFit at the highest level that, um, I mean, the highest degree of competition that CrossFit has to be shooting that, and that's your first experience, is a little challenging. Um, And like I have my CFL one, so I know what the movements are and stuff, and I know what to look for. But... um, 
photographing and documenting in um, these conditions and with the um, with just the different restrictions we had on where and what you could shoot made things really challenging. Um, so it was nice to be able to uh, practice with the age group divisions, the masters and then the teens, because not a whole lot of people actually wanted to photograph it. Um, it was me, this guy, um, David, who runs Training Day Media, um, Stu, and then uh, basically the CrossFit media, uh, the folks who were employed by CrossFit to shoot the games. It was basically just us. And we're kind of just, it was nice because we had free reign to kind of go wherever we wanted to. And for the field outside, so for the CrossFit Games, there are like two main like places where people do their fitness thing. And that is the field, um, I think it's called like North North Park. Yeah, North Park. Um, and imagine like a soccer field just in the middle of a parking lot with a giant rig on it, rig on it. Um, and that's what that is. And so we were allowed to be, well, I thought we were allowed to be on all four sides of this giant rectangle and can shoot wherever we wanted to. And I'll get into that a little bit later because um, I kind of, I think I might have gotten in trouble. Um, at very least, a rule changed because I, screwed up yeah I'm just I'm as I'm recording this I'm looking through all the photos I have and have taken um had taken excuse me while uh at the games and it's really kind of fascinating I didn't shoot that many photos over the course of the weekend it looks like I shot one two three four five about five thousand photos which I know sounds like a lot, but it's really for as long as that competition is and for um, as many days we were there, um, that's not a lot at all. Um, and uh, actually the first day I was there, I took the most amount of photos. Um, and that was basically just because I was trying to get my bearings and um, I was really just kind of learning how on the fly how to shoot this sport because I had no idea what I was doing. So um, on day one, they were outside, like the individuals were outside for most of it, and it was cloudy. And what was nice about this is, um, so if you, when you're shooting photography outside, you want one, or, one of two conditions. You want it to either be sunset or sunrise, or you want it to be cloudy. And the reason you want those two is because it is the softest of light. If you're taking photos in the middle of the day with really harsh sun, you get these really kind of gross shadows, um, and it's just like harsh. And there's really no other way to describe it other than it just kind of looks, it's kind of painful to look at. It's the only way I can think to describe it. I don't like looking at photos I take um, in broad daylight because it just, it it's hard on the eyes. It doesn't look pretty. But this day was cloudy, so that was nice. Um, and I do really like some of the photos I took this first day. Um, and uh, with the with the 
with the other field of play is the Coliseum. Um, and what was fun about this for me anyways, when you're shooting weightlifting, you basically set your settings day one of the competition. And then you really don't deviate very much from those settings um, because you're inside. Nothing really changes. Um, and if you find yourself in a really dark spot in the venue, you almost want it to be underexposed because you want to show, you want to document what it was actually like there. Um, and so obviously meter properly and get the right exposure and whatnot. But for what I'm, where I'm getting at with that is it, with CrossFit, um, shooting inside, outside, and then all of the in-betweens, you had to change your settings a lot. And I really like this. Um, it was, it just, it was different. It was a challenge because um, I haven't had to do that in a long time uh, where you get to just kind of switch your settings on the fly and do what you can. Um, and so on day one, what was nice too is that there weren't too many folks um, out on the field of play because uh, the, 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 the events are kind of boring, right? Like paddle boarding and then swimming. You can't really do a whole lot of cool photography with that. And then the other event is just like this just grunt work sort of thing with like GHD sit-ups and toes of bar and then like pig flipping and then um, a sled drag. So there's not a lot going on there. Um, which again was nice because then you kind of have free reign to go wherever and you're not going to have 20,000 photographers in the same spot, which is what happens later in the weekend. So um, yeah, day one, kind of boring um, as far as shooting photography goes, except for learning, but nothing really exciting happens. Um, and because I was still like learning what I like to do um, and I still had pretty clean access to things, um, I wasn't doing anything super fun or creative. I was staying in the media pits, like where we were allowed to be. And that's it. I mean, it's honestly the hard part for me about um, CrossFit and shooting CrossFit is everyone's stuff kind of looks the same. Um, and there are some definite like outliers. Like I really like training day media stuff um, and obviously stews, but if you look at a lot of the photos and things like that from this event, it just all kind of looks the same. There's really no, there's nothing differentiating the different photographers because we're all having to be in the same spots and we're all using the same long lenses. Um, and when I say there's like 20,000 people standing in the same spot, it's a slight exaggeration, but not by much. Because in CrossFit, there are lanes. Right, and they put the leaders like in lanes four, five, and six, or like the middle lanes. So if there's like 20 lanes, it would be like lanes nine, 10, 11, or whatever. And they do this because they want people to be able to see really easily like where everyone is, because it's a race, right? Um, and so you would have at the start of the event, all of the photographers bunched right up in lanes four, five, and six, right behind the athlete. And then as soon as the event started, 
they would all move down to the end zone and then be right in front of lanes four, five, and six. And that's where all, like 90% of the photographers and cinematographers there congregated in those areas. And it took me all of day one to figure this out. So everything from day one for me just kind of feels blah. There's really nothing cool happening. Um, I did get a little bit of a different perspective because I was using a 50 um, and everyone else was using like, like I said, 400 millimeters or like 70 to 200s um, and stuff like that. And I'm going to be honest, I had some major, um, what's it called? Oh my gosh, imposter syndrome. But it was warranted because I was an imposter. Like I had no idea what I was doing there. Um, And it was kind of nice because towards the end of the weekend, I started to come into my own and sort of figure out um, what it was that I like to document there. Um, but it was hard to get to that point. So, um, day one was just kind of crappy. Looking at, uh, the photos that I have from day one, there wasn't anything I shot inside the Coliseum. So it was all just right outside at North Park. Um, and once I got into the Coliseum, I noticed the same sort of situation going on there. And I, sh- you know, you should be able to pick up on these trends pretty quickly, but um, I'm an idiot. So um, same sort of situation. The media pit, though, is a little bit different in the Coliseum. Um, so there is a designated, like, actual pit for media, like, down on the floor. Um, you get some really cool stuff there, but you're really limited. You don't have a lot of mobility. You kind of pick your spot and you stay there. Um, and that's great, but you don't really have access to that unless you are with the title sponsors like Wit. Um, or if you're like Buttery Bros or whatever the hell they're called. Um, those like vlogger dudes with the weird glasses. So unless you're those folks, you're not really down in the pit which is fine because, again, everything in the pit looks pretty much the same. Um, And uh, thankfully, I figured this out a little bit sooner than I did figure it out for outside. But the the call seems weird, too, um, because each event in there kind of looks a little bit different. They utilize the space so damn well because they can... um, if you don't really, uh, so if you haven't seen the CrossFit Games, they are able to like, they have a ton of volunteers and they don't really pay any of these folks. Like unless you're employed by Rogue, you're not getting paid to be there and help out. But the um, the volunteers get a lot of free stuff. So that's kind of their incentive to be helpful. So they're able to tear apart and re- re- rearrange, you goodness gracious, they're able to tear apart and rearrange this Coliseum to be whatever they want it to be. Um, and so some events, the the folks are running right towards the pit, and then in other events, they're running uh, the opposite direction, or they're running uh, like parallel to the pit. So because of that, you don't really have a whole lot of uh, flexibility again basically with shooting crossfit you don't have a ton of flexibility if you go where they tell you to go but this is where i started to learn that you shouldn't maybe do that if you want to get 
things that look different than everyone else. Um, and so, like I said, I didn't have a Coliseum pass, but you can kind of get away with it because they don't really know. Like the, the people that are letting people into the Coliseum are just employed by Lion Energy Center. Like they're just uh, security folks and stuff like that. So they don't necessarily know if you're supposed to be there or not. So if you just show them a wristband, you're getting in, um, which is nice. So um, Stu and I both snuck in. Uh, well, I guess Stu didn't have to sneak in. I just kind of like snuck in behind him. Um, and so uh, when I got in again, I couldn't go into the media pit where everyone else was. So I just kind of had to figure it out. Uh, what was nice is that it all kind of, it's like a bowl, right? So the floor is on the bottom and then there's stands on either side and they go up. So you can kind of get some really cool um, reactions and things like that if you're shooting up from really high down into the field. Um, you can take some really cool, uh, like Stu got a couple of really good wide angle shots um, in there. But for the most part, I was using, because uh, at this point I had the 70 to 200, which was definitely helpful, um, way more helpful than the manual focus 50. And at that point, I was just kind of using it as a wide angle lens <laughs> because of how far away I was from everything. Um, and so uh, I was up in the stands and I just shot what I could and what I thought was interesting. Um, and this kind of gets into... Uh, one of my philosophies with photography, I guess, is to take less um, and to take with more intention. And that's one of the issues I see with not just weightlifting photography, but photography in general because of the amount of storage that we have now and digital cameras make it really easy to have just tons and tons of photos. But... Um, to be able to practice um, and limiting yourself to what I would suggest is someone like only allow yourself to take 24 photos um, during a session. And whether that's during a competition day or um, just some photo shoot that you're doing of training session, just limit yourself to only taking 24 photos because um, it's going to force you to really have intention behind what you're shooting. Um, instead of just being really trigger happy, like most photographers are nowadays. And I'm guilty of that too. But especially when you're starting out learning how to compose and taking really meaningful photos, instead of just blasting everything and then finding like five keepers out of thousands and thousands and thousands, um, to instead just take 24 or like 36 photos and then trying to make each one of them a keeper um, I think is a really great skill. And um, yeah, and especially like, oh, yeah, there's a lot more I could probably talk, say about that, but I won't bore you. So um, that was basically my experience with shooting the, the games. Not a whole lot really changed outside of that. Um, I got better as the weekend went. Um, and one event that was really cool to photograph was um, it was on the last day of 
no, it was second last day competition, and the athletes had to run around um, the like the complex of the Align Energy Center. Um, and again, all the photographers were congregated in lanes four, five, and six, just waiting for the event to end. Um, cause I found that that's actually what most of the photographers are shooting. They're not really shooting a lot of like what's happening. Um, like the action of doing the damn thing, but they're photographing the reactions at the end. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. It's just not terribly interesting to me. So instead of staying in the lanes four, five, and six and waiting for everyone to come back down to the field, um, I just kind of walked around and found different points of access. Um, and the, my favorite photo that I took um, during the entire games was um, just outside the Coliseum. Um, I think it was Tia Claire Toomey um, and then two other athletes. And the way... They were running um, just perfectly. All three of them are in frame, and the Coliseum is behind them. Um, and at the time, uh, it, one of them had leader jersey on. And so it was just this really cool moment. Um, and that was my favorite photo compositionally. Um, and uh, the person, I can't remember who it was that was wearing the leader jersey, but they didn't end up winning um, the weekend, because Tia obviously won. I think it was Amanda Barnhart, actually, that had the leader jersey on at the time. Um, but still, just seeing those three in the frame um, was so cool. And I had to, it was something you had to like, all right, well, if you care about this, cool. If you don't care about it, I'm sorry. But with the EOSR, it doesn't have very fast autofocus. Um, and this was with my Sigma 24 which that has a pretty solid fast autofocus, but it's not super duper fast. Like if you're used to using Canon lenses, they have ultrasonic drive motors and those things are snappy, but Sigmas are a little bit slower. They use stepper motors, which I prefer because it looks a lot better for shooting video um, if you're using autofocus because um, it's a nice smooth transition to focusing. Uh, but for taking photos, it's a little bit rough um, if you're trying to track subjects. That said, um, in order to get this photo, you had to manual focus, which I am pretty used to because, um, I mean, I like learned how to shoot photography that way. Um, and like I was saying, I was shooting the whole damn thing on day one with a 50 millimeter manual focus lens. So like I, I know how to do it. Um, it's just like the, the precarious situation I was in. So they had barriers up and I had my camera like between two of the barriers. Um, and I was just kind of, and like there's fencing and stuff. So like my hands are kind of all in this thing and I'm like trying to focus on, um, passing runners. And, um, finally I was able to like kind of get focus. I think, um, it was really hard to see my LCD with, um, how bright it was. And I had focus peaking on, but again, it was kind of challenging, um, because for my focus peaking, I had it set to the things that were focused turn out red. Um, so they just look red in your viewfinder and on your LCD, but in broad daylight, 
and it was cloudy at the time too, so everything was really contrasty anyway, it was really hard to see what was in focus and what wasn't in focus. And these people are running past you, so you don't really have a whole lot of time to nail your focus. Um, and you can try to like focus on the ground um, right about where you think people are going to be running to um, and just kind of be in that focal plane. But that tends to be a little tricky too because you can miss focus by quite a lot um, based on like how close that person is to you. And luckily when you're shooting with a 24, you can be a little bit out of focus and it's going to still look fine because there's not a ton of compression. But you have to kind of take that into effect, right? If you're trying to pull focus, you got to get as close as you can to what you think is going to be happening. But these people running throughout the entire lane, they're not just like staying in the middle of it. So you kind of have to adjust for that and look ahead of, like look in front of where, like where you are to see where people are running and kind of have to guess where they're going to be in the lane. Um, and if you see like groupings of people, just be ready to, sit on the shutter for a couple seconds and maybe get one where they're all in the frame. So that was that photo. Um, and it was my favorite one I took the whole weekend. Um, and uh, that's that. That's pretty much all I want to say about shooting the games like when it comes to technicality and things like that. Um, but I, I want to talk about some of my takeaways from this. Um, and the first takeaway is that when you're shooting anything new to always have intention. And the reason I say that is because I went into this space of shooting the CrossFit games, knowing that like what I shot probably wasn't going to be like great. Um, and I wasn't going to be like, sharing a ton of this stuff. Um, for me, it was a really big learning opportunity. Um, and I was able to help Stu out a little bit with a couple of things. Um, cause he was working for a couple of sponsors. So I was able to get a couple different angles of things. Um, and I'm sure he's gonna be really happy when he sees that I post a couple of photos along with, um, sharing these stories of the CrossFit games. Um, but for the most part, my, like this was just to learn. This was a learning opportunity. Um, I spent money to do this. Uh, the accreditation for uh, media was free, but the lenses, um, renting those, and um, just being there all day uh, and just kind of eating up time for that weekend. And it was a lot of fun, but um, just having intentionality about everything I took photographs of because um, I I wasn't about to try to take the same photos as everyone else of the reactions and people finishing the finish going across the finish line and the reactions and things like that because um, for one I knew I would hate them if I took them from really far away and I wasn't able to get like the same sort of things that uh, the same sort of angles other people are supposed to get or like what you think you're supposed to get of that um and just kind of like going off of what I think would look cool. And ultimately that's like the it's the the way I saw the games. Um and it kind of goes with with my personality if I'm honest. Like I don't typically like to be part of the the crowd. I'd much rather um uh, be a little bit removed from it. Um so I can see things from my own perspective and 
um, shooting the CrossFit games really reminded me of that. Um, cause in weightlifting, I've kind of, honestly, I get a little bit complacent with where I'm shooting and who I'm shooting. Cause I know, um, what angles look really good for them. And I know how comfortable they are with me so I can just kind of do whatever I want to, um, and not really have to worry about everything going on around me. But with the CrossFit, I had to be uh, thinking about all those things. I had to be thinking about where I wanted to be and how I saw what was going on. And so it was really refreshing. And I think it really, um, it helped me to really kind of push the boundaries of what I was comfortable with um, when it comes to shooting photography for weightlifting. Um, It got me a little bit more comfy with shooting with longer lenses. and ultimately, it uh, it just made me want to try harder, which is always a good thing. Um, but uh, I think uh, I, like having that really humbling experience where I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember talking to Stu a couple times during that weekend, being like, "Dude, I nothing I'm shooting is great. Like this is really it, it was tough for me because I'm used to." looking at the photos I take, um, in weightlifting because I am so comfortable with it. And I can always walk away with like one or two photos that I'm proud of per day. And so, um, to walk away with only one photo that I'm super proud of from the whole weekend was really hard. Um, but, uh, it's just, it's all about just wanting to be better. Um, and, doing things that uh, are challenging. Another thing I want to say quick before um, I close this out is with CrossFit media specifically, um, it's all about instant gratification. And what I mean by that is I don't remember seeing a single photographer shooting anything other than vertically. Um, And it's all about getting things out super fast, which is great. Like I think, um, uh, part of being as like part of media is being a news outlet and sort of showing what's going on as it's happening. But with CrossFit, but with CrossFit, everyone was so concerned with getting things out as fast as they possibly could. And, um, shooting things that they know will get tons of likes and tons of views um is the it's like it sets it's like the it's the most important thing right um we're not shooting to be artistic necessarily um we're shooting to do the things that will get you a lot of likes and lots of follows and things like that there's nothing wrong with that um but i knew that i wanted to do things a little differently and I wanted to uh, photograph things that uh, aren't necessarily like super flashy. Um, one of the other photos that I took um, was during a team event and you can't really tell who's in that photo um, but it's all the teams like running out onto the rig at the same time. Um, and I love that photo because it's, uh, it shows how 
like the event was run and you can see in full context how many people are on the field at the same time. But that would never be used by any sort of news outlet or anything like that because it's not flashy or sexy or there's not like a single person you can point out and be like, I know exactly who that is by seeing this like really close up of them. Um, but it creates context and it creates a, a story of what's going on. Um, and so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and uh, I don't know, with weightlifting photography, um, I feel that it's less about instant gratification. And maybe my perception skewed because I've been in it for so long. Um, but uh, it, there's just more of, to me at least, it seems that there's more of an attention to being artistic. And um, I guess it was specifically in the U.S. Um, and then a couple of international folks like uh, uh, like my friend Bowen um, from Australia so there's just more of this attention to wanting to create art instead of wanting to create media that is so easily and quickly consumed. Um, and I guess I'm going to leave it at that because I feel like if I go any more further into that rabbit hole, I'm just going to get really um, annoyed with the current state of art. So I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going just gonna to stop it there. Um, that was my experience with the CrossFit Games. And I hope you were able to get literally anything from it because I felt like I just sort of rambled into a microphone for 45 minutes. Um, uh, I'm going to be talking to a couple folks here um, in the near future. So this is, again, hopefully going to be pretty uh, rare that it's just a me thing. But uh, I really hope you enjoyed. And uh, if you want to support me and uh, Barbell Stories, you can check out my Patreon, patreon.com slash barbellstories. Um, and uh, if you do become a patron there, you get um, some cool perks, I guess. Like you get access to the full stories. Um, you get access to my um, like private podcast that only the patrons get access to um, and just kind of like random information or like news things that are happening for me um and you get discounts on apparel if you like that sort of thing so check that out otherwise um you can find me on instagram and twitter at barbell stories and um you can't really find me anywhere else because i don't do the tiktok or whatever the hell so thanks for listening and um i don't know how to end it so i'm just gonna stop here and if you're still here, I just remembered one thing, and that is the rule that got changed because I screwed up. I went on to the left. So if looking at North Park, looking at the uh, – there's a giant screen um, on one end of the field. And if you're looking at that screen, the left side of the field was, I guess, meant to be off limits to photographers. And the reason why it was off limits to photographers is because Dave Castro likes to sit there and watch the event. So I didn't know this. <laughs> and I got around to the left side of the field and I shot a couple of photos of Dave Castro watching the event. And as I'm taking these couple of photos, he calls over one of the judges and he points at me and he points at everyone else. And then I kind of just snuck 
back into where everyone else was before someone could tell me I had to get lost and couldn't come back. Um, but uh, there was uh, multiple guards, I guess. And these guards are just volunteers again. And anytime you wanted to try to get into that area after I um, had that run in with Dave, you couldn't get in. So um, you don't have to worry about this anymore because Dave Castro is no longer employed by CrossFit. But I learned that day that if you want to take photos of Dave Castro, you shouldn't stand directly next to him with a 24 and try to take his photo because he will not enjoy it. And probably it'll piss off a lot of people because we lost access to that side of the field because you could kind of sneak over there and no one would get too upset. Um, but after I did that little mishap, um, you definitely couldn't get back there. So that was my rule breakage. And that was the story that goes with that. And now I'm for sure done. And this podcast is too long and I'm really sorry. And hopefully next time I'll have someone more fun than me to talk. Um, bye.